0: Hey, and welcome back to the Domestic Yak Podcast. This is episode five. We got Ajax over there, and we got Eddie Elfman over here, and we're both, we're a couple of whiskey boys today.
1: Just going in dry, no lube. And I'm talking metaphorically, of course. I, I wanted to have a long, meaningful conversation with Ed about his life, his purpose, and his whiskey, and he's like, nah, we gotta, we gotta jump on the pod right now.
0: Everything is content. Every conversation that we have that's slightly entertaining, we have to milk it for all it's worth and give it to uh, our one listener in Texas. That's right. I that, know where you live. <laughs> I know all your grandparents. So what, are uh, you still drinking the Kirkland brand Yeah, scotch?
1: Yeah, so I feel a little bad because I'm not a, a scotch whiskey drinker by, by experience. Like literally, I was a scotch whiskey virgin like last week. And so I bought a Kirkland size bottle, which is quite large. And Mm -hmm. I was so determined to become educated about this new topic that I actually went online and watched YouTube videos of people giving tasting notes about whiskey and Mm -hmm. specifically this whiskey. I could not believe this. There's like a 20 minute long video of this dude. And every time he takes a sip of whiskey, he like announces a different type of flavor that he notices. And I'm like, are you a wizard? Like, like what fucking... What, what would you do
0: if I told you that I had a whiskey tasting book? Oh my gosh. Where I, I have different whiskeys and what notes that I've discovered. That's that's uh, insane. That was gifted to me for my birthday last year.
1: What kind of flavor hat are these wizards wearing where they're sipping this whiskey and they get something different with every sip? Like, it's it's baffling content. I don't understand it.
0: Well, it's different when you kind of like bring your nose in front of it and try to figure out what's going on or what the profile's like and then you kind of hone in on different things and you focus in on it so i've had a few whiskeys where i'm like that's i'm pretty sure vanilla coffee yep. and you can kind of go and you can you can focus on other ones and i met a friend of mine who used to lead tasting classes out oh at uh, things like the wine and beyond
1: did he have a mustache
0: uh, no, he had a scruffy beard and smoked a lot of weed, but he was very good at uh at tasting different liquors and and different kind of uh, tones, and he kind of like went over like how you're supposed to to try out like more higher end whiskey. I'm very drunk when he showed showed me, but he pulled out like a few hundred dollar bottle and was like, "This is my like favorite," and this is back when I like knew nothing, so I took a took a sip, but I'm like, "You're supposed to like bring it in." Uh, and let it sit, and not really swish it around like you do with some wines, and then like, and then finish it off and like breathe in. I believe was the process, and I was just like, this burns, but it tastes pretty good.
1: <laughs> yep, there's there's a lot of burning happening in my mouth every time I drink whiskey, but mm-hmm. uh, it makes me feel warm in our very cold barren land that is Canada, Canada. Canada yes.
0: Canada da.
1: Can-a-da-da-da-da-da-da. Yeah you
0: should uh you should try out bourbon. I'm a fan of I'm a fan of bourbon. And what's uh, the difference Knob between Creek bourbon. is a decent one. What's What's so Not Creek? Sorry, bourbon is a uh southern american type of whiskey that's uh distilled and aged in barrels. It's mostly made out of corn, so it's like an american style whiskey, mm. whereas scotch is like scottish highlands.
1: Everything and good. There's also
0: japanese whiskey.
1: Everything is made out of corn, corn syrup, high fructose corn syrup. I hear uh, high, fructose, high fructose corn syrup is uh, a contributing factor to a more severe COVID case.
0: Well, that's interesting. I've listened to some uh, nutritionalists talk about the impact of having high percentages of of fruits and vegetables that we're not used to consuming and we're definitely not used to consuming corn in mass amounts and apparently tricks the brain into figuring out how much of it that you've consumed and kind of creates this new mechanism Uh, i forget the the technical term for the mechanism that it overloads that essentially just convinces you to eat more and i believe it was a honestly i think it was a joe rogan podcast of him talking about how if you have just a large steak in front of you that's like 16 ounces, you'll probably be tired and be finished eating and not really want anymore. But if you put mashed potatoes and gravy and vegetables next to it, then there's certain things in the gravy and the mashed potatoes that tricks your mind into finishing it all and still being hungry and wanting dessert.
1: Yeah, that was the episode where they had the carnivore diet guy on, I believe. And they were talking about just eating animals and animal organs, and gotta eat the liver and the and all the.
0: That makes me really wanna really wanna try liver. Them talking about cutting it out and how the Comanche used to eat it fresh. I've been talking to a few people about that. I think I'm gonna add that to my next my next shopping bill once I can go outside. Once you can go outside. Yeah, I'm under mandatory quarantine because my partner has tested pov- positive for COVID nineteen.
1: Oh. Well, that uh That's great. I'm I'm feeling a little awkward right now cuz I'm thinking Absolutely back to great. our, our She's intro. She's under the
0: age of 70, so I'm not going to kill her. It's okay.
1: Uh our intro of the last episode you're like, "Excuse me, Ajax, I have a bit of a cough and I think I just made fun of you for having a cold <laughs> and not knowing what COVID Yeah, was. I wasn't
0: feeling that well. Uh, uh the other day, I got tested. Uh Quick turnaround time of a a day, so good job, Alberta doctors. And, yeah, apparently I'm negative, but as per the ruling, I've come in close contact, and it was close contact. I may or may not have kissed my partner on the mouth.
1: And you still didn't get COVID.
0: And I still didn't get COVID. So maybe, maybe the key
1: is to to use more tongue when you kiss is
0: inside of my bones. Just gonna put it out there. Just put me. Just slap me onto one of those observation tables. Just cut me open. Just figure it out.
1: Uh, but, so, are you quarantining within one room now? Have you gone from no. a house quarantine to a room quarantine?
0: So, I'm not sure if uh, Jason Kenney or any of the people around him, when they were talking about some of these recommended guidelines on who they should quarantine, how they should go, I don't know if they envisioned it. In the setup of having an apartment, I think they were like, yes, you can have the west wing, and then I will have the east wing, and that's where I will make sure that all the other people that would come into the parlor should remain and keep separate from you and your filthy disease. For me, it's like, so, do you not want to use the kitchen for, like, seven days? Like, we have two bathrooms, but at the same time, I want to use the bidet, and that's connected to the master bedroom. It's it's this whole complicated... Yeah, whole, like whole other all, thing.
1: All all of your priorities in life are kind of all tied and come back to whether or not you can use the bidet. I know that's where your oh, priorities absolutely. lie. that's
0: my quality of life. Like if I could trade getting COVID-19 for using the bidet, I would. And I think that's the current logical process in my mind. You know, it is also difficult to turn to someone and go, "You don't have COVID," even though you've been kissing your significant other who is positive for COVID and then you go yeah I bet I don't I absolutely bet what's the false negativity rate and false positivity rate for that and they go oh no it's accurate and you're like can I get another test like soon so I can figure it out or not and I kind of want to like comfort her throughout this whole process and not just like at a distance be like you're okay you're fine everything's okay
1: so, yeah, that is that is bizarre, but I, I really don't think that any of the governments have planned for how to quarantine within a domicile. I think all the quarantine restrictions are based per domicile, so if the... Well, they,
0: they've stated how you're supposed to act uh, in a domicile, so I think their logic is one member of the family gets it. You lock them in a fucking room, and they don't use communal spaces Oh. And you get everyone to wash their hands often and to wear masks inside the, the, the building. They do have a laid out thing on the Alberta uh, Health Services website about how you're supposed to act. And I just looked at that and I was like, her birthday's coming up. I'm not going to make her do this on her birthday. Like, everything's fine.
1: So, are you doing all the cooking and cleaning now?
0: Um, I often do the cooking and she often does the cleaning. But she's not, like dying no or feeling feeling really down um so it's it's more that i'm picking up other things that she's not in the mood to do just because of how difficult it is to essentially get a shitty text and then have to make like seven awful phone calls for the next like 30 40 minutes i really have to pick up your phone and call someone and go hey I might die, just letting you know. You should get tested. It's, it's just the same thing as getting an STD, uh, STD or STI. It's just, it's just constant checking but with I people. I think it's going, worse. It's
1: not, it's not I might die. It's, hello, I might have this disease for the rest of my life, and it will impact my quality of life. You may also have this disease. Would you like to know more?
0: Oh, so it's just like uh, an STI. Perfect. Beautiful. Yeah, you can tell um, people you're a modern-day whole... pirate this whole back and forth and it's just not fun she told her, her work uh, that she contracted the virus and the only place she can get it is her work which we're not going to say on this podcast for so so my dear partner can have some secrecy in her life
1: you've got to and they were like
0: they're like where could you have gotten it from where could it possibly have come from what did you do outside of work hours she goes motherfucker i went to work and then I tried to not come in because I was not feeling well all week. And then he said, no, come in. And you kept making me come in until you changed your rules. I think it was like seven or eight people had tested positive on Thursday. So then they called their like, upper, upper management and go, well, a lot of people are testing positive. Should we change our rules? And they go, yes. Now, if anyone shows any symptoms of COVID-19, they cannot come in at all. And then she called her supervisor after that role was made and went, I have three symptoms. And they went, no, still come in. And then she came in, and then that morning goes, call, talks to the, the manager. He's like, hey, I'm sick. And he goes, you should leave then. Go home. And that was it. And she got tested. That's all it's been.
1: That is recklessly irresponsible.
0: Oh, which it's terribly irresponsible. Ties into, she should sue.
1: Yeah, I think there's money to be had there. Speaking of money, irresponsibleness, and diseases, we are becoming uh, modern-day pirates, okay? Let me sell this to you. Here's my pitch. Yarg, I be sailing the scurvy digital seas with me and me crew of COVID-19 conspirators. We be having all of the Bitcoin. Yarg. Are you sold?
0: If you, you said Bitcoin and I'm just fucking in, man, what is it? What's happening? Well, you see, the Bitcoin
1: news. we go into the local neighborhood towns and islands, and we say, Yerg, we're going to give you the COVID if you don't give us the Bitcoin.
0: Oh, my God.
1: That's you see, amazing. you go to your neighbors and you say, ahoy, me matey, I've got the COVID. Give me your coins, your doubloons, your digital doubloons, or we be, we be infecting you.
0: You could just knock on doors with your mask, your, your identity's already concealed, and you just go, please put in the deposit into this one deposit number, or I will cough, ha, 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 ha. and then you're good. No one can identify you, you just wear one of those generic ones. modern I'd love day to pirate. see. Uh, I'd love to see something uh, that came up. Pirates were not the general worst. They were stealing from the English government, so they were.
1: I think they stole from from traders and merchants anyone they could find. But uh, a key, a key uh, similarity here is that pirates all had syphilis, and uh, you guys all have COVID nineteen. So uh, all you have to do is start stealing from people, and as far as I'm concerned, you're now a pirate.
0: I think every, I think every uh, seafarer had syphilis of some sort i'm pretty sure it was so common that it was difficult to not get syphilis especially if you're traveling to the new world like lewis and clark had syphilis like all the modern day explorers which like imagine a fucking time to be alive right just like you just give someone like 500 bucks or, or i guess the equivalent you give someone a couple grand and they just go all right you're gonna fucking land somewhere where no one's been before or no one that you know has been before have fun
1: Brave New World.
0: That'd be fucking amazing. Have you ever heard the tale of, um, uh, I think, it's McGregor McGregor?
1: Uh, no, I've not heard the, the tale of first name, same as last name.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's very, it's very strange. There's an interesting uh, Behind the Bastards episode on him uh, from a bit ago, but he was a very interesting scam artist who made his entire plan was to sell the prospect of new land, Somewhere in south in in the southern United States, and he would trade uh, Irishmen and Englishmen fake money for their real money, and just send them off to somewhere in Louisiana and like in the middle of a, a swamp that he owned, and called it some fantastical name for the location. And all these, and he kept like approaching these noblemen and being like, "All you have to do is just just show up, and there's already so many friendly natives that want to work for you for free." There's all these people, they've already erected structures, they've already set up farms, they just need seeds planted, it's going to be so easy. And he kind of like, just kind of kept selling this super like, uh, this super biased dream, like this wet dream that all these Europeans had, that they could move from being middle class and be upper echelons of society just by showing up somewhere and he was like yeah of course you can be the aristocracy of this new country that I've created that where all the locals are super happy to work and be uh, subversive and then he just took all these rich people or moderately rich people's money and they just got on a boat and they all showed up somewhere and they just fucking died and none of them wanted to do anything or build anything they ran into the natives, and the natives were like, no, we're not going to really help you unless you have something to give us. Like, you can have some food. And they're like, no, like, like plow th- these fields for me. And they're like, no, th- no, thank you. I don't want to help you at all.
1: Well, just like those natives may have been struggling with a uh, sense of purpose and being productive in society. I'm kidding, of course. Obviously, it's the rich people who are struggling with their sense of purpose, but Mm-hmm. Coming back to you, Ed, because I think the spotlight's really on you this episode. It's, it's just Ed, Ed, and Eddie. It's all about Ed. Um, now that you're forced to be a degenerate staying at home, no longer able to meaningfully contribute to society, how are you coping? Um, Talk to me about your your sense of productivity and purpose. Do you feel listless and and abandoned? Are you floating out in the seas, contemplating becoming a digital pirate?
0: So ever since the 2020 election took place, and someone, I'm not going to name names, said that it wasn't a real election, I immediately made sure that I bought dried goods, some water purification tablets, some filtering equipment, uh, some miniature solar panels, so I should be good to live on my own for some period of time. Productivity-wise, and keeping myself sane, there's been a couple projects that I've been trying to keep myself uh, inundated with. I'm a very uh, big advocate for Dungeons & Dragons, and I just finished wrapping up a recent campaign that I ran, and I have some epilogues that I've been working and trying to get finished. I've been trying to essentially just narrate some end-of-chapter, end-of-book things for some characters. I got approached recently by a friend of mine uh, who's been working for a company as a voice actor. And she's been thankful enough to give me an opportunity to work with this company. So I'm finally getting into paid voice actor roles. And then if I wasn't doing that, I'd be doing volunteer stuff for uh, LibriVox paid somebody's paying you money for voice yeah i'm getting paid oh my gosh yeah it's absurd i'm getting paid more than this podcast oh
1: uh, that's hard to believe we make so much money on this podcast
0: well you got to make sure that the the viewers think we're humble that one guy from texas is gonna go how do they know that i'm listening to this podcast i don't believe them at all
1: well you know since we are the texas of canada we we think very similarly to you uh actual texan people
0: yeah it's the idea of or what texas is becoming from what i'm i'm seeing in in like current media is that it's socially progressive but it's telling the government to fuck off which i like a lot of being like yeah you have rights the government shouldn't be in your fucking way like i'm i'm i really uh identify with that sort of politics I'm either like the government should stay out of your way or I'm thinking that the government needs to be a safety net, one of the two.
1: So like we should all be free to get as much COVID as we want, no restrictions or lockdowns, and we'll just deal with whatever happens if we all get COVID?
0: Well, I think from the perspective of having the government not get in your way, um, and if I were to be the right-leaning of those two things that I just said, I would be in favor of creating, like, mandatory mask stuff and limiting, uh, limiting venture into certain areas and trying to create situations so if someone gets a disease that they don't die and if they, if they do incur medical expenses, then that's affordable or doesn't cripple them as a person.
1: Well, that sounds like I think communism.
0: The... Well, I guess that's the part that I'm having difficulty when someone's like, I don't want the government in my way. When you're like actively dying on the street, you kind of want the government to be along the way for you there. kind of want to make sure that when an ambulance picks you up, like you have a place to go and you have a place to get treated.
1: You know, Ed, Uh, I'm, I'm not sure I can believe you. As far as I'm concerned, you're, you're basically a COVID pirate now. And we all know mm -hmm. pirates hate the government. They hate the British patrolling the seas, Stopping you from, from plying your trade, from from tricking the the citizens, you probably want a lawless wasteland where you can uh, go about your ways and and make your profit.
0: Well, I think that my ideology, taking on this role and being a character actor as I as I am now. Oh my gosh! Is, <laughs> you're you're a bit much to be is to be a. An instigator of my own rules and my own practices. So maybe, maybe I am lawless, but I still have my internal code, my pirate's code. Whereas if I come across someone, I'm not going to leave them out to sea starving to death. Yeah, you're just going to leave exist.
1: them out at sea with COVID-19.
0: With COVID-19 and maybe some citrus, you know, vitamin C really helps you. Like, you don't want to give them scurvy, but you know, you have to, you have to facilitate something. For yeah, them to be okay. we're
1: not we're not savages. We're humans.
0: Yeah, we're like one step removed from savages. So you want to take away all of their luxury, and then let them drift back to whichever godforsaken port they came from.
1: So, changing the topic here, I know that you feel like you've probably been pretty hard done by with this whole COVID situation. I mean, it's come into your house. Uh, it's been with your girl. And it didn't even do you the courtesy of doing you the same way it did your girl.
0: Yeah, just let me watch.
1: It just let you watch. Exactly. Um, I'm here to tell you. Is this
0: episode going to be called Cucked by COVID? <laughs> it could.
1: It could be. Um, I have been more negatively affected by COVID than you. Oh,
0: wow. Let me let well, me sing I'm, you I'm a sad tale. glad that we're going to begin measuring our, <laughs> our misery together. Uh, how, how how deeply affected and, and terribly forlorn have you been, Ajax?
1: Well, you see, I can't go to the gym anymore.
0: The gym just being a place where a bunch of other sweaty humans and homuncula like to hang out and just exhale particles everywhere and share the same pieces of equipment because they're very expensive and cumbersome.
1: I like to think about the air that is exhaled in the gym as the force, and instead of it being the force, it's really like the gains, and uh, the gains flow through everything and everyone, and we're all participating in the gains together. And and the the goal of the gym is really to spend the most amount of time uh, consuming other people's recycled oxygen, so that you can get the most gains. It's it's really about the the length of time you spend in the gym and how much you breathe to get the the maximum effect of of the atmosphere
0: yeah it's disappointing that they really put a stop once this whole pandemic started uh put a stop to the twin uh the twin polish uh deep squat where there's just two people deep squatting the same amount of weight and just looking at each other and once they get to the bottom of the the hole they just give each other a little kiss and then they breathe out and they just give each other a little kiss and then they come back up and it's another little bit of a kiss. I, I'm really sad that they it took all the, the showmanship and the brotherhood out of working out together. So um, so you refer to it as, as the force, something that penetrates us and, and binds us, eh?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you got to understand that I've been going to the gym religiously for about five or six years now, doing heavy strength training. And I normally uh, basically wrap. And form my identity around one central activity. I'm very shallow that way. So it's like, okay, I play video games. Yeah, you
0: said it's your religion, so it's fine. Yeah, if, yeah, if it's, you're shallow. it's my religion. Like that's, yeah, that's 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 acceptable. Yeah, I don't
1: I don't need to be a multi dimensional person. I can be very single dimensional. Um, you know, once upon a time, it was video games. You you could say that I was the game that I played. Uh, you know, we're talking. Over 30 hours, probably a a video game in a week, just just pumping those numbers up. And then after I turned 18, that actually transitioned, and my new identity and and reason for existing actually became soccer, or uh, as you might know across the sea, uh, a footy, football. And I was playing on as many teams as I could and as much soccer as I could at as competitive of a level as I could for as long as I could. So uh, I started when I was 18, and then I was playing on two or three teams consecutively. We're talking anywhere from you know three to five games a week, sometimes with practices. And then while I was doing this, I was also going to the gym and doing strength training. And this was great. Um, I, for a very long time, had this belief that I could have worked a minimum wage job as a fry cook at McDonald's, but if I played enough soccer games... I would be happy that I could I could sustain myself. Now what happened as a result of COVID-19 is that the the pie chart that represents my free time or or my allocation of time got massively shook up. So because of, you know, so many things being closed and and opportunities being limited during the summer and the spring when the gym was still closed, right? Cuz we had an initial closure and then it opened and now we're closed again. During that initial closure, um, I wasn't like insanely fit or, or doing some crazy numbers. Like I was uh, lifting pretty heavy in January and February. But then but it, it was, was the summer. You were able to well, go
0: for runs. You were able to be, to yeah. be outside and be fully active. And, and now that's kind of been taken well, away. Well, hold on, hold on. I'm building December. here.
1: I'm building. This is a monologue. In the no, spring and summer, I did an insane amount of hiking. I literally was like, the gym's closed, I will go hiking out of the mountains every single opportunity I can. And that's what I did. And then the gym reopened. I came back on the very first day that the gym opened in the late, the tail end of the summer. And then I just started going, you know, three to four times a week. Then I was like, well, this still isn't enough. I ended up moving to a new apartment even closer to my gym so that now I was a five-minute walk away from my gym. Then I started going like five days a week. Then I started waking up at 5.30 a.m. and going to the gym like six days a week. So then I only had one day off from from the gym. And so I, I sustained that that intensity for a number of months. And so
0: and you're there for how long like a couple hours each day? No, right. no, no, you're
1: you're only allowed to book an hour long session and so hmm. you generally go for the hour and then depending upon uh you know how much you feel like you need to get done that day or if you've got work, you can stay later because at first they were a little uptight uh, about patrolling and making sure that people actually left at the end of their hour, but then they absolutely gave zero fucks and You could stay for two hours if you wanted. Nobody was paying attention. So the average workout was an hour to an hour and a half. Um, I didn't really hit the two-hour mark anymore like I used to, mostly because I was also going like essentially every single day. So why COVID was so bad for me, and, and I was being a little facetious when I said it was worse for me than it was for you, was because... I basically went from having a a body type that was more lean and athletic and built for running and hiking to literally just being like, the only thing that I do is heavy powerlifting. So I started seeing a change in my physique and and my strength and everything and just powerlifting, 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 powerlifting. And now the gym is gone and that is a problem. It's minimum gone for four weeks. So I have a little bit of equipment at home. But I know that I will not be able to sustain the volumes and the weights that I need to maintain what I've what i built over the last couple months, and so yeah, that...
0: And God help the people that are below you for your downstairs neighbors, like oh God, doing deadlifts and living living above somebody is just a fucking awful thing to do. Like that's just some deadlifts just at five thirty a.m. Oh God, yeah. If you, especially if you're doing it at that early in the day. So you've seen, it feels like, a large portion of your pie chair, a large portion of your day or your personal space has been fundamentally removed, and and you don't have religion to fill that gap?
1: You know, uh, I, I tried going to God, but then he said, come behind this altar and uh, get on your knees and receive my Eucharist and that seemed a little weird for me so i i quickly exited the church and thanked the priest and and never went back i am kidding no, you should
0: do that they give you uh, like a little uh, like a wafer cracker and a little bit of wine it's called the pretty eucharist and, and jesus is it, pretty jacked i i actually He's, went he works I actually out went
1: to catholic school so i can make these horrible religious jokes with with at least a little bit of accuracy yeah.
0: it's only it's only not uh uh sacrilege if you went to catholic school i think that's the the limiter yeah you it's gotta read catholic <laughs> yeah you gotta
1: rep it oh. but yeah um i am now in a very peculiar place because it's really easy to just go to the gym and when you're in that building when you have that routine it's like all right it's time to work it's trying to get things done and you you have a sense of productivity. You have a sense of accomplishment. You have a sense of purpose. Like when you go to the gym every day, the first thing, that that's what anchors your day. That's what guides you. You're like, okay, I'm going to go to the gym this morning and I'm going to bust out a workout. And then at the end of the day, you're like, okay, I'm going to go to the gym the next morning. And, and you plan out having clean clothes, your nutrition. You think about what you're going to do the next day. You can really just like base everything around that. And I think that is so useful because in the
0: time of COVID-19, yeah,
1: well, in the time of COVID-19, so many of us are living these monotonous life, like monotonous lives. But in spite of the monotony, there is no stable anchor or foundation. And what I mean by that is people don't have um, like a core activity or thing that is fundamentally healthy that they can just sort of use as a a base and build scaffolding from and say, okay, like, I'm missing my friends, I'm missing my family, I'm not able to go out as much, I can't go to the store, I can't go to the restaurant, like, the amount of time, things and people I can see is drastically limited. And to be able to have this huge amount of change, and be able to adapt to it is very tough. But if you build a strong, stable base, then you can build scaffolding. So I think everybody really need to look at COVID-19. You need to say, okay, like, this is a fucking massive amount of change. I need to literally restructure my entire life right now. And I don't know how many of us have actually sat down and done that and said, okay, I'm just going to adapt to what's happening versus I'm actually going to restructure. Like, that's what I went down and did. Like, I, I literally had this moment where I thought, it's it's not going away. Things are not changing. We're never going to get back to normal. If we ever get back to normal, air quotes, if we ever get back to normal, what will normal look like? It's so far off in the future that I think you can't even reserve any hope for that day. You have to now just proceed, and I hate this expression, I fucking hate it, the new normal. You have to now proceed like this is the new normal. The people who are still holding out hope, who are still waiting For things to go back to normal are losing time and productivity. If anything, I would argue this time period that we're in is one of the most useful and potentially effective periods of self-improvement you will ever get in your life. It's like the entire world is on pause or on slow motion, and you have all this time where you can do more for yourself than you've ever done before, but you've got to build that base.
0: See, that's the issue with having a lot of time to self-reflect and uh, self-reform is if you have people that have suddenly had their world ripped out from under them, then they're going to look, honestly, my my best advice that I can give anybody is to look inside and be reflective on how you are and how comfortable you are being yourself, being alone, being your own human being in your own, and your own vessel. Yeah. Having introspection but a lot of people, and especially this year, have looked outwards towards someone who has a better answer, whether it be uh, someone saying that an election is fraudulent, or saying that the government is trying to take extra control of you, and they're they're reaching out and they're trying to grab comfort in someone explaining all the issues away. And that that can be fair, and that can be absolutely valid if you're thinking, okay, something, the world's not safe, the world's not doing okay. But as a human being, you need to be able to breathe in, breathe out, and go, wow, I'm alive, I'm safe, I'm listening to a podcast, so I'm doing a lot better than everybody else in the world, my family might be doing okay, my family might be doing safe. And to take a lot of gratitude and and heartfelt emotions about that, and then kind of walk towards whatever's coming next with more, with more confidence. And to, be, to go, okay, we're doing all right. We can take it a few steps at a time now. As opposed to just going, everything's fucked, my world's upside down, everything's changed. And I think that that's a new skill that people are learning that they used to have. Especially before social media and the internet. They used to be able to sit alone for a few days with their thoughts and the world that's going around them. And not really have much to do, not have much things planned out, and just kind of exist, when they're done their chores or they're done their other processes. And now it's we're kind of re-inviting this part of what it means to be human is just being happy with your own mind.
1: Okay, I got I got a really terrible metaphor to describe of course. this. Just just give but it. But here it is. All right, it's like your Piper Perry surrounded by a bunch of big black dicks and there's just so many big black dicks demanding your attention and Piper and... perry yeah, yeah. Who's Piper Perry? She's the porn star from the meme. The the white chick okay, surrounded so we're by black referencing
0: dudes. a meme of, of a of a of a petite young blonde woman yes. surrounded by five very eager, attractive looking young black gentlemen. Yes. Alright, yes, just okay. just putting a reference out there for all of our listeners. So there's okay. too many ticks. <laughs> okay, you're saying?
1: so listen, listen, okay? Okay. Um somebody who's getting overwhelmed and flustered during COVID nineteen who is going through these constant, you know, uh, mental crises is like the equivalent of being Piper Perry and just having far too many big black dicks to deal with, right? You know, one big black dick is Facebook, another big black dick is Twitter, another one's Instagram, you know, like, uh, there are all these different things that demand our attention, and are these external influences that are competing for our time and what we care about. And you're like, man, I just love all these big black dicks. Like I wanna give all of them the same time and attention that they require. But almost inevitably, some of the big black dicks will be neglected. And you have to learn how to rebuild your life and say, you know what? Maybe, maybe one day I'm ready for a gangbang, but right now, I'm just gonna deal with a couple big black dicks and not all of them, and and this selective,
0: or maybe uh, even not even have any of the, maybe, the big black gentlemen. Yeah, maybe, maybe maybe uh Piper Perry, I I don't remember her name, uh, is happy just hanging out and just being herself for a short period of time and just being comfortable and just going, you know, I I do have some, you some know, we things just we gotta I take this and,
1: metaphor to completion here, okay? And I'm happy, so. and,
0: yeah, and and she just. Th- deals here's with the herself before focusing on the external stressful world around her and performing up to the task
1: yeah, of having yeah, but all
0: these different these different uh, extraneous things to deal with
1: here's the thing like i learned this and especially in 2020 i've come to the point where i got so polarized that i made some more extreme decisions that i hadn't made before which was extreme decisions like I'm going to deliberately not spend time on Facebook. I am going to delete the Facebook app off my home screen. I'm going to spend less time on Instagram. I'm going to spend less time on Snapchat. I found that my brain was getting so scrambled from all these competing information sources and everywhere you went it was an echo chamber like especially when it came to COVID-19 news. Like you turn on the TV and here's the latest update on and, and fatalities and infection rates. You turn on Facebook, right? You you see uh, a similar version, similar information, you know, with memes and other people's opinions. And you see that on all these different platforms. And it got to the point where I'm like, how do I get away from it all? Like everywhere I turn, there's just a big black dick waiting to be sucked. And I don't have enough saliva or mouth space for all of these big black dicks. So... What I started doing was taking the big black dicks out of my life one by one, and just focusing on one big black dick at a time until I just got the hang them of it. Queue up
0: and until just wait until their I turn. felt like
1: I could handle more. But more at the end of the end day, day, there's okay. still been a fundamental change. The fundamental change has been when I know that my you know my eyes are too big for my stomach. Like when I know that I've just got my eyes on too many black dicks at once. I I refuse to you know have all those dicks come out i'm like all right only only one or two at a time and it's about sustainably like valuing your time and just saying all right like i'm gonna do one thing at a time i'm gonna do it well like if i'm going to read a book i'm gonna read a book if i'm gonna listen to something i'm gonna listen to something i don't have to have like six different sources of stimulation at the same time
0: yeah you're not gonna you're not gonna dial these six gentlemen's phone numbers for them to all show up at your place and then all want to feel like the bell of the ball at the same time because that's maybe you're not feeling up for that. Maybe you can't do that right now. Maybe you can just invite one over and have a nice day and just kind of relax and work it out with him and just pay special attention to that one source of information. Yeah, I I'd I think this this works out quite well. I think some
1: it's amazing. are going to pick it
0: up. I'm going to contact the walrus and see if they'll run with this.
1: You know, in, in 2020, the time of COVID, we're all just feeling like Piper Perry.
0: Yeah, overloaded. A little bit overwhelmed. Just too know. many
1: large problems coming in from multiple angles.
0: And normally they wouldn't be considered problems because we'd be able to deal with them. But
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, get, getting a little bit more serious here. Um,
0: Oh, we haven't been serious? <laughs>
1: well, no, we have. But we've got a lovely metaphor. But, you know, with the news, like, I want to touch on that for a sec. Uh, some of you probably seen this out there, but a lot of people start saying, turn off the news. Don't listen to the news. Because this constant 24 hours news stream of COVID and what's happening is exhausting. It is it is it, uh, like the people who have listened to it consistently, constantly, I think must be going crazy, must have had so many crises of faith where they're like, oh, my God, the world is fucked. We're fucked. Everything's fucked. People are dying. People over the age of 75 are dying. Nobody cares about them. Nobody's taking care of them. Like Why would they? Why, why are all these people in retirement homes dying? Why have we caged them in, well, in a you know, single little
0: building? Free up space. But yeah, it's it's a lot of, it's a, it's a significant overload, especially because we're tuned in to every single serious matter and every single atrocity on a minute-by-minute basis. And also, that's being manipulated and controlled to keep us, well, I don't want to say keep us afraid, but keep us glued in and focusing on everything. This year like, has been... Eye-opening for the amount that I'm tuned into social media and the news. It's just been a constant, it's been a constant dismal ride this entire year. There's always something to be upset about. And even after everything, there's still something today that's talking about the fucking election that happened a month, it happened four or five fucking weeks ago, I don't care, it's fine, the coup, the soft coup is happening, but shut the fuck up, please, please, love of god.
1: Well, the, the thing is with the news that some people don't get, and I'm going to take this story or this lesson from South Park. There's a South Park episode where they were talking about Santa Claus, or it was, I know it's Jesus. It was a, an episode about Jesus. And they said, um, they were saying that Jesus isn't real. And he said, well, Jesus has changed, you know, millions of people's lives, and and the fact that something that's not real is able to change millions of people's lives uh, is more real than than I am, like the in the impact it has. So mm-hmm. in that we in that way it is real, and so what that comes to is this sort of idea of and I might be saying the wrong term here is manifest destiny, which is this idea that. If you say something, you make it real. You 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 put more credence to it. And so with the news, and everything the reporting, like when you talk about the soft coup or people rejecting the results of the election, like at at one point you must ask yourself like what is what is legitimate news that needs to be reported versus what is just. Literally bringing awareness to some fringe cause and, and causing something that would never have this much weight and momentum to have way more power than it ever should. And I think the news is really guilty of that, where because it's become so based on sensationalism and clickbaiting, it gives so much power to things that in olden times, in ye olden times, wouldn't, wouldn't have happened.
0: Yeah, absolutely agree. I think right now we're in such a weird nexus of human history where we've truly created something that's outpaced us and outpaced our mind's ability to to deal with anything. And the overintuitiveness of everything is just is just blinding. Well, like I remember I had a conversation at the beginning of the year with a dear friend of mine, and I was like fucking Iran's launching missiles out towards an American airbase. And he's like, oh, well, you know, like, that's... Like, that's bad. Obviously, that's bad. Like, this is in uh uh repercussion for the Qasem Soleimani kill, or murder. And Iran's launching all these weapons, and I'm like, this is really fucking... This is really fucked up. This is really bad. And he comes back to me, and he goes, yeah, but... Think about it this way. Like, how is this, this event that's happening halfway around the world going to affect you? And I was like, okay, that's fine. It's fair. It's not, it's not in my backyard. And then a plane got hit by the Iranian government that had a couple hundred people on board. 65 of them, I think. Um, Sorry if if I'm messing up the number. Were Canadian citizens. And I knew them. And my coworker knew them. And they're people that I cared about. People that I didn't know were over there for that period of time. People that taught me in university. And that flipped a switch, absolutely, to go, if something's happening halfway around the world or quarterway around the world, and you go, it doesn't really affect me that deeply. Like, what, what's it going to really impact my life? And that kind of just takes away some fucking air out of my tires of going, is it really, like, only matter if it's happening to you? Because it did happen. And the only thing that made me feel worse was because of the actions of, 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 of it hitting closer to home. And the fucking rage that I felt afterwards. It's just, it's just unimaginable. And, and, it, and it is heartbreaking. But we need to be able to, to quantify it and qualify it in ourselves... And to move forward in the world. So I think that it is human. And it is natural to be able to measure things that are going on in the world. But to research the topic as much as possible. Keep tabs on what's going on. And don't rely on base instincts to go, I'm upset because X. You should say, okay, well why did the Iranians shoot down this plane? Why were they on edge? All right, well they... We're upset about the Qasem Soleimani assassination. Okay, why did that happen? It's like, okay, because Trump's a fucking idiot and would assassinate anybody. Okay, why was Qasem Soleimani put on the list? Okay, he was an Iranian war hero that was responsible for the Iran-Iraq. And it kind of keeps going in, but at, at a certain point, you need to understand to be educated and go, how did it get to this point? You shouldn't just be upset blindly. You need to understand that it's a very complex system. And I think that your energy is better suited in looking into these matters and understanding them than they are just being full of despair or being angry.
1: Well we live we live in outrage culture, right? Where mm. there's there's so much graphic horrible things happening. Like South Park loves to constantly make fun of this of how many school shootings there are to the point that it, it almost becomes normalized. Right? This is this idea that These horrible events or things of a very graphic nature can take place and we become desensitized, we become numb. And so then the pendulum swings in that direction and then it might swing back in the other direction where it's like, well, now we're going to be outraged about everything. We're going to have PC culture. We're gonna get really concerned about about titles and and what people's names are and what they are not and and how to refer to people and and what's okay to say and what's not and what is the connotative meaning of a word versus the objective meaning, you know, like we have all these battles about language.
0: Yeah, and, and the ultimately, world loves a binary. They don't like a, a spectrum of response to an issue. They yeah. want they want outrage or they want or they want absolute love. There's no. In between when people are people are complex issues are complex you shouldn't just go fuck you ellen degeneres i heard you mistreated somebody i don't give a fuck about you anymore like
1: the way i see be... it is we need to be a lot more like a, a seasoned battle commander and i'm boring a little bit of this from the the fictions i read but in my mind anybody who is a, a seasoned battle commander somebody who's had military command and, and has commanded troops and, and been in uh, skirmishes and, and incursions would have gone through enough stuff and learned the hard lessons that I am almost certain that they would have this philosophy or this understanding that they are only going to care or worry about things that are within the sphere of their control. And and that is to say that you're not going to be emotionally enslaved to things outside of your control. And this isn't for me to say that empathy should be dead in the world. No, but let me use a classic example. Let's talk about the 2011 uh, World Trade Towers event. Obviously very shocking. 2001, yes. Wow, that is the whiskey talking, everyone. Anyways, back to 2001, not 2011. In the 2001 Trade Towers event, It was horrible. It was awful. Um, Obviously affected Americans and people closer to that area a lot more than Canadians, for example. But
0: devastated us, but yeah, absolutely.
1: I personally, you know, aside from being a child, also didn't have a lot of uh, emotions tied up in the event. I recognize it for what it is. I know that it's bad. However, my pragmatism is such that I'm like, well... I don't have control over this event. I don't have control over the policy. I don't have control. Like, like I know that no matter how I feel about 9-11, I cannot change it or change the outcome of it. So for me, I have this sort of emotional wall up where I never got too upset about it. Like, don't get me wrong. I acknowledge it is a very bad, horrific event, loss of life, but things that have been much closer to home with a much smaller impact have pulled more of my emotions because of, I think, that line of logic, which is this idea that, you know, things that we can do something about. And it's not to be discompassionate, but I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a slippery slope. I'm, I'm, I'm so stuck on this because the counter thought that I have running in my head is this idea that, Even if you feel like you're not making a difference, even if you feel like you can't make change, if you speak your truth, if you put your truth out there in the world, you can reaffirm things. And, you know, the flap of a butterfly's wing on one side of the world can affect something else. But when it comes to a tragedy like 9-11, I don't know if me telling everybody I know that this was a terrible tragedy is going to make the world a better place. If I'm actually well, the, the same idea that this was human terrible
0: experience, right? Like when my uncle's dog passed away, I fucking cried for like a solid ten minutes. I was just miserable, it was inconsolable. But I learned that a couple million people, weaker uh, Muslims, are getting put in concentration camps, I get upset and I get angry, but I'm not brought to the same amount of tears, even though it's wildly different. The level of atrocity and the level of extreme things. It's just it's. It's removed from me. And and it is that, that that flip that switched with the with the plane that went down. It went from going from going, this is really awful, and it makes me upset to me being just destroyed. And 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 it really is that connectivity. But I think that's the human experience is we're wired to be to care about the people that are in our sphere of influence and our sphere of control.
1: Well, that's my self-defense mechanism, is that I don't want to get caught up with this um, this disconnect between where something bad happens, and I don't feel bad, and then I feel bad because I don't feel bad, if that makes sense. So I stay away from news. I stay away from following and coverage of really bad things. I keep myself at a distance because I don't want to go through those emotions, or I don't want to have enough of the experience that I could be justified in being emotional because if I'm not I'm going to feel like I'm I'm lesser.
0: Well there's a there's a significant difference right like if for example for me when Joseph Robinette Biden broke his foot I was severely uh, impacted and I thought I felt really sad about that because we're dear close friends and everyone knows that but for you I'm not sure if you particularly cared that much or just another headline but if either of us saw an elderly person being assaulted on the side of the street in front of us, in front of our eyes, that would deeply affect us emotionally, right? Like that's just, that's how humans work. We perceive what happens in our, in our world, in our really like small based world. And then we just kind of escalate it. I think you have an issue if you see something happening in your world and then you're not affected by it. I think that's the measure of humanity. It's not, you get told about a story um, and it doesn't bring you to tears. Cause if people wanna go if they wanna read short stories from a hundred years ago and they wanna say, yeah, I really don't care about this about this person that this short is about, like maybe they just didn't connect and that's that's a whole other uh spectrum. But seeing your fellow like citizens or fellow humans like beaten in the street, that should affect you. Especially if they're like if something happened in Calgary or Edmonton, like that would that should affect you deeper. That it does to people in portland or people in uh in belarus right
1: so i think where my self-reflection uh what what my self-reflection tells me is that i'm very utilitarian with my emotions because i often don't indulge an emotion for the sake of it just existing i almost always try to suit the emotion to a purpose or an action. So it's like, all right, I'm pissed off or I'm stressed out. Like, I'm going to go lift some weights. And what really, I think, causes me anxiety or I have a harder time dealing with is emotions that don't have an outlet or don't have something I can apply them to, right? I, I give this advice to people close to me in my life. I tell them, all right, you're feeling this way. You have these strong emotions. Reframe that. Reframe that problem, reframe what's making you feel that way, and use those emotions to power your motivation. We talk about mind hacks, about hacking the brain. Using emotions to convince you to do things is a great way to mind hack and bypass whatever limitations you have on motivation. When you're pissed off, you will do nearly anything. You're not going to worry about how much work it takes or what's involved, you're just going to do it. And so you can weaponize or, or be a utilitarian with your emotions and use those to great effect. And the problem that I have with the news is that you sit down on the couch, you watch the news for 30 minutes, you feel all these emotions, and they don't go anywhere and they don't do anything because I sure as fuck am not about to call up whatever charity or relief effort that they're advertising and give them my money so that you know 80% of profits can go to maintain the charity and and whatever small percentage actually goes to somebody who needs help.
0: Yeah, I'd like to see someone being able to reuse the emotions that have been brought out from kind of like main mainstream media or from a lot of outlets. But I also think that just talking about it does something like i don't want to be a it's catharsis backseat.
1: if you talk about it it, it gives yeah, you release. it brings
0: catharsis but i think it also brings some understanding and uh surfaces the issue and i don't want to be a backseat activist or a, a couch activist because a lot of people get criticized of being but bringing up issues when they're happening to your friends and family and having them look into it and talk to other people it does create general social change. Like it's not, um, it's not taboo and it's not an issue to be like, if someone's like, hey, how's it going? You're like, oh, it's all right. But kind of going into, if you're sitting down for coffee with someone and you're looking at the world news, just go, wow, this is really rough. Like what's well, happening over I'll, here? And if they go, I don't you, know what you're talking about.
1: I'll give you a great example of a news event that wasted everyone's time lots of people talked about, and I think did absolutely nothing for the sake of the world. It was just a fucking butt fuck waste of time. And this was all the talk about North Korea and the threat of nukes and bombing for weeks and months. Our news cycle got hijacked by another threat by North Korea. North Korea is doing military operations or, you know, like it just went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, almost like they were ramping up for another cold war. And Everybody wanted to talk about it. Everybody, you know, was was tuning into this. And I just thought it was the dumbest, most useless thing ever. I'm like, if it's going to happen, it'll happen. But this isn't worth my time and attention or my emotions. I'm not affecting change by talking about North Korea or Kim Jong-un.
0: And that's something that's on the surface and everyone's talking about. And you're like, wow, what fucking limitations do I have? But a couple of years ago when uh, satellite footage of the Uyghur concentration camp started getting posted and people were, people were seeing what the fuck's going on and all these human body parts that are going for sale on the on the open market and you're like, something really fucking bad is happening here. As someone of German descent, I'm realizing this is really fucking bad. We need to put a stop to this. We should like stand up as a global a global like unification and say we need we need like uh outside investigators and we need to look into these re-education camps because they sound really fucking bad from a historical perspective and kind of mentioning this to some of the people that i was around they're like i don't know what the fuck you're talking about they're like oh like something's going on i'm like yeah like they're very opposed to this group of people especially in this section of of china like we should look into that and then i think it got a lot more headroom when Mulan came out because they filmed in that province of China. And a lot of the uh, production areas and uh, and work that went into the, the doing of that film or the, the make of that film, they were like, oh, we shouldn't really support slave labor. We should really you know, the, uh, avoid the use of this.
1: The problem is, Ed, is that it comes back to selfish interests. And what I mean by that is By being a world citizen, by being concerned about these other things, it consumes a certain amount of your bandwidth, your your human bandwidth. So the day that you were worrying about these concentration camps and, and the Muslims, not to say that you were wrong to do that. However, the day that you were worrying about that, that was time and energy and emotions that you may have used for something else in your life that would have better suited your interests. Who knows? Maybe that day you were tired. So you drank another beer than you would have normally drank. Or maybe you decide to order out for food because fuck it. You were just feeling tired and exhausted and the world sucks and I'll just do it. My point is like all these news stories and all these world events and tragedies that are happening outside of our control suck away at our motivation and our energy. And just like Piper Perry needs to do sometimes we have to say no i'm not going to take this black dick even if it's a really well-intentioned black dick that deserves my attention it's beautiful it's it's trimmed it's been well maintained and cared for you know this black dick is just begging for my attention but i gotta focus on me piper perry needs to be taken care of before this black dick that is outside my existence
0: some some self-reflection piper perry and uh, thank you all for listening to our Piper Perry special where we talk specifically to this uh, hero and feminist icon, Piper Perry. Um, you can reach us at domesticyackpod at gmail.com. I'm looking forward to all your angry messages. I'm waiting. I just want I just want to get them. I just want to take them. I want to eat them. And I want to, I want to have a conversation. Whether it be delayed or whether it's something else. That's been Ajax, and I've been Eddie Hoffman, and thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us.